This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Inside Story on BFM 89.9. Good evening, you're with Lee Chui Lin and Shamila Ganesan. Tonight, how the government is handling the issue of vapes and e-cigarettes. Now, this is specifically as they've announced the removal of liquid nicotine from the poisons list. So first, we're going to talk about the pushback to this and why activists are worried. And then later, how should we be regulating these devices? So we want to know, do you think the government is doing enough to handle e-cigarettes and vapes? Call 7733-2900, tweet us at BFM Radio and send a voice note or WhatsApp our U-Mobile number 018-789-8899. This is Inside Story. is 6.08. So first up, I, I think I'm, what I'm going to try to do is set the scene a little bit and explain what can come off as quite a technical story mm. uh, in as simple a way as possible. So essentially, on the 31st of March, the Malaysian government announced the removal of liquid nicotine from the poisons list of controlled substances. Now, liquid nicotine, as you might be able to tell, uh, is used in e-cigarettes and vapes. And so what this does is effectively legalizes e-cigarettes and vapes with nicotine without any regulations in place. However, from the government's point of view, um, the reason they did this was to enable taxation of on said e-liquids. Uh, the collection of excise taxes on nicotine liquids and gels used in e-cigarettes and vaping devices will begin um, from the 1st of April. So the current laws don't explicitly allow or explicitly ban e-cigarettes or vaping devices. Um, and that's because our Control of Tobacco Products Regulations 2004 under the Food Act 1983 currently only covers conventional cigarettes and other tobacco products. This has been a constant challenge, really, with e-cigarettes and vapes because there's a sense of trying to catch up as uptake has actually incredibly increased over yeah. the last few years. Now, because uh, we also don't have a prohibition on the advertising, promotion and sponsorship of e-cigarettes or vape, currently, this deregulating of it, the removal from the poisons list, means that now um, we are in a sort of no man's land. E-cigarettes and vaping devices um, don't really have regulations to govern their use or, in fact, to reduce harm when it comes to vulnerable segments of the population, like young people. We're in a no man's land in more ways than one, I think. Um, So there is a bill that is supposed to be tabled in May that is going to look at the regulation of tobacco products as a whole. And so that's not yet in that's not yet been tabled. That's not yet been discussed fully. So we don't know what it's going to contain. Uh, we do know that the generational endgame bill is one that was discussed quite a bit. But there's also, but that also is currently living in a space in which no one is particularly yes. sure which direction it's going to go in. Is it going to go ahead? Is it not? So this conversation is happening, I think, at a very particular moment in time. And it's worth saying that the experts have not been for this. Uh, the Poisons Board, which is an independent body formed under the Poisons Act wholly objected to the government's proposal to exclude liquid nicotine from that poisons list. Uh, they objected to it on the, ba- on the basis that as you alluded to, Sharmila, the harm of allowing e-cigarettes and vapes to be sold to anyone, including children, outweighed the benefit of tax revenue from uh, such products. And a coalition of health experts and doctors called the Malaysian Health Coalition on Tuesday also expressed their concern about this, releasing a statement urging the government to work towards eventually banning all tobacco and vaping products as a whole. So this is where we find ourselves. Uh, we're going to start off our show today by exploring... Basically, the various issues that have showed up in this situation. Later on, we're going to be talking about what regulation would be ideal. But in the meantime, we also want to hear from you. Do you think that the government is doing enough to handle e-cigarettes and vapes? Are you in support of this latest move? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine and tweet us at BFM Radio. After this, we're going to be joined by Professor Mohammad Haniki Nick. Muhammad, Doctor of Clinical Pharmacy and Leader of the Smoke-Free Sajatra Campus Community at the International Islamic University, Malaysia. Keep it here on Inside Story, BFM 89.9. Busy finding money, BFM 89.9. 
It is 6.13 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sharmila. We're talking today about how the government has announced the removal of liquid nicotine from the poisons list uh, to hopefully be able to collect taxes on nicotine liquids and gels. But experts are pointing out that this may cause more harm than good. So we are exploring that and asking you what you make of it. Do you think the government is doing enough to handle e-cigarettes and vapes? Are you happy? Uh, with this latest move and decision. That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Joining us now is Professor Muhammad, Nick, uh, Muhammad Haniki Nick Muhammad, uh, Director of Clinical Pharmacy and Leader of the Smoke-Free Sajatra Campus Community at the International Islamic University Malaysia. Prof Haniki, thanks so much for speaking with us today. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. So this removal of liquid nicotine from the poisons list has been getting a fair amount of criticism. Firstly, talk us through this. What are the main concerns here? Okay, because we know nicotine is a poison. And, you know, historically, it's been used as uh, insecticides. So it kills uh, insects mainly. But there are safer pesticides and insecticides. So nicotine are not used for that purpose anymore. But... Nicotine is a psychoactive drug, meaning that it can cause dependence by the way of mechanism that it acts on receptors or uh, certain parts of the brain. So uh, in order to regulate, we need to have proper uh, laws. So all this while, nicotine has been regulated under the Poisons Act 1952, under Group C poison to be, to be uh, specific which means that nicotine can only be dispensed by licensed health professionals like pharmacists, uh, physicians, dentists, and veterinarians. Now, the exemption of it from the Group C poison has been done for tobacco a long time ago uh, because they don't see any benefit of nicotine to, be, uh, to have a, uh, an indication, meaning that it has no benefit as a therapeutic indication. So. Uh, we understand that. So tobacco is regulated under control of tobacco product regulations under the Food Act, as you mentioned earlier. But nicotine, uh, which uh, is available in, for example, nicotine replacement therapy products or NRTs, um, until October last year, um, they are regulated as group C poison. Um, so when October uh, 2023, it was decided that uh, we can move um, nicotine from NRT products into OTC. So the exemption was given to NRT products. So basically two, tobacco products and also NRTs are now exempted. But 31st of uh, March, as you mentioned, the Honorable Minister of Health decided to give exemption to nicotine in e-cigarettes as well. Now, this caused a huge concern among health professionals because uh, the way that nicotine is added or used in electronic cigarettes, they differ than those of nicotine in NRTs and also in tobacco products. They are unregulated. We don't know how much nicotine is being added. What we know is that it is highly variable. The study that we conducted uh, by anal analyzing the content of uh, e-liquids for the nicotine concentration showed that at least 80% of the uh, nicotine label differs than what actually is in the liquid itself. So without proper regulation to support the exemption, we feel this opens the floodgate to abuse. Therefore, the public safety is at risk. Yeah. So in a nutshell, um, the removal of nicotine from electronic cigarette should have been done only after the proper laws and regulations are in place. So given that vapes and e-cigarettes are already now very commonly available, why is deregulating liquid nicotine such a cause for concern? I mean, realistically, how much would this really change the current situation? Mm, good question. Um, the fact that the government has turned somewhat a blind eye to the, the booming business of electronic cigarettes and vapes actually tells the story uh, of um, 
regulatory bodies. Okay, but as far as nicotine is concerned, we know of raids being done on uh, premises, on factories uh, by the enforcement. Uh, but licenses are given for establishing shops uh, under the guise of selling electronic products, for example. So they mushroomed under this kind of, um, uh, I don't know, mislabeling uh, to a certain extent. And, uh, you know, enforcement has been uh, far and in between, but we have to give credit to, to when it's done. We understand the limitations, the number of enforcers, uh, the people enforcing the law are also limited and whatnot. But that's not giving the excuse for not actually taking proper actions against the selling of nicotine illegally because all these premises are selling uh, nicotine without license. So um, the the allowance of that, meaning when, when government has not taken the proper action and allowed it to become uh, a, like a business that has been so prominent and then they would claim the industry would make claims that, oh, this is a billion dollar or one or two billion dollar worth of business. And therefore, the government started to see it as, as an opportunity to make money out of this business, despite the fact that our neighboring countries, the North neighbor, Thailand, the South neighbor, uh, Singapore, if you look at Brunei, th these countries have all banned e-cigarettes, 100% banned from the beginning. So um, in short, what I'm trying to say is that Malay in Malaysia, we lack the willpower, the political willpower to ban e-cigarettes from the beginning. Therefore, we are seeing the after effects. So the after effects uh, are seen in the sense that we, they are selling um, e-cigarettes everywhere without license, proper license for the nicotine. Now, the use of this um, excuse that, oh, it's so rampant, you can see it everywhere, people are using it and whatnot, should not be the main priority of the Ministry of Health because the main priority of the Ministry of Health is to protect the health of the public. So by exempting the nicotine from e-cigarettes without having the proper laws and regulation to control it um, shows a huge uh, error on the Ministry of Health part. And I can understand the pressure uh, given to the Minister of Health by the Minister of Finance because he would uh, he saw this as an opportunity to impose tax and make money. But he failed to actually do the right thing from the beginning by including the increase of tax for cigarettes in his budget speech in 2023. Because we know that the the uh, excise duty of cigarettes have not been increased since 2015. So what is the reason for the government not to make more money out of cigarettes when it's already there? Health economic experts like Prof. Dr. Norashida from UPM has already estimated the billions of ringgit that the government lost since 2015 onwards for not increasing the tax. And additionally, Malaysia's level of cigarette tax is below that which is recommended by the WHO Framework Convention on Tobacco Control or FCTC, which is our tax for cigarette is around 55%, but the recommended level by the WHO FCTC is 65%. And if you, you don't need to look far, you just look south, uh, it, at Singapore's price for their cigarettes, you can see the huge discrepancy. So the, the error has been made multiple times, you know, allowing it to go on for this long and then um, not doing the right thing for the right reasons. So the, the, allow, the allowing of uh, e-cigarettes to be legally sold by removing it, uh, removing nicotine from groups to poison, total exemption, and also imposing tax on it has 
legalize e-cigarettes in Malaysia beginning 1st April 2023. This is exactly the mistake that was done with cigarettes many, 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 many years ago. So once the business has been uh, made into a legal entity, we cannot ban it like in some countries where they totally ban e-cigarettes anymore. So we have to regulate it. Now we need uh, we need the regulation. Where is it? You you mentioned earlier supposed to be in May, right? Yes. Yes, that's what has been presented by our honourable prime minister. But we know delay tactics by industry is very rampant. For example, the uh, draft of the tobacco control bill, which um, which was managed to be presented by the previous health minister. Uh, in uh, for two sittings, if I remember correctly, right? It was presented twice. And it was even uh, referred to the Parliamentary uh, Special Select Committee uh, to, to even scrutinize and uh, improve it. Uh, it was a bipartisan. So both the opposition and the ruling governments had already uh, sent their representatives and discussed the tobacco control bill and agreed on the amendments. Uh, it's just so... Uh, unfortunate that the cabinet was dissolved when uh, pri- just prior the third reading of the tobacco control bill. So what I'm trying to say is that the bill is ready. It has been scrutinized. So why on earth that we have to wait until May, um, but the uh, exemption on Poison Act and also the um, imposement of tax it's done before. This is putting the cart before the horse. It doesn't make sense. A part of this, I think another element here is the fact that there also currently isn't enough research on e-cigarettes and vapes and specifically a safe level of usage, particularly in relation to what we're talking about today, that liquid nicotine. Could you mm. walk us through what sort of information or research is needed to make a decision on this? Okay, if we look at the scientific evidence, we do have, uh, for example, studies of, uh, for example, the highest level, which is randomized control trial, which actually found uh, some uh, effectiveness of uh, electronic cigarettes for smoking cessation. But if you want to go down that route, and then um, supposedly this was the intention of electronic cigarettes anyway, but it was not ever done in Malaysia. If the industry believes that their products are for smoking cessation purposes, why on earth they did not register it with the proper authorities? For example, the NPRA, the regulatory agency, the drug uh, and cosmetic uh, agency, the DCA. So this didn't happen. For the past 10 years plus that the uh, uh, e-cigarettes were brought in, they just wanted to push these products to be used for leisure purposes, targeting children and adolescents or youth. Because they know the effect of nicotine is most prominent on this population. When, when we are young, our brain cells are developing and they are most vulnerable to the effects of nicotine. That's what we call the neuroplasticity and the brain repruning or changing and affected by, the, um, uh, by nicotine particularly. And therefore, this would change the way that they respond, the, the way that they think, the way that they uh, react, uh, they would be vulnerable to also using other drugs. This have, has been proven by studies. So to say that it, it has a use, yeah. But if you want to use that evidence for e-cigarettes, then go through the proper channel, register it as smoking station devices, and then we'll see. It didn't happened overnight for the nicotine replacement therapy to be exempted from group C and changed into OTC. It is not totally exempted like tobacco products and e-cigarettes now. NRTs are actually moved from group C to over-the-counter to allow uh, more access to it. But it's a different case for electronic cigarettes. It's totally exempted without proper evidence. If you're saying, again, this has a good use, then register it. But now people are using it. And this is what the government is saying directly by exempting it. You use it like you're using tobacco. 
is fully exempted. So uh, it's safe for all, which is not. We know nicotine has a little dose. It can kill people, for example, anywhere from 60 to 100 plus milligram. So if you, uh, if you ingest nicotine, yes, cases of death have been reported. But this is inhaling. And the way that nicotine is inhaled is the most efficient, uh, one of the most efficient uh, way to deliver nicotine to the brain in high concentration and rapid fashion. This is the fact that e-cigarettes do. What e-cigarettes do? They mimic cigarettes. E-cigarettes currently don't have any regulation in terms of the nicotine concentration. We do not know what is the safe level. We know what, what kills people. So people are saying, oh, let's put 20 mils, uh, 20 milligram, and the tax would go 0.4 or 40 cents per milligram per ml. I don't know how they plug this number and where they get that from. So we don't have the data. We need the study. But... We don't have the study to show that it's safe, especially in long term, because what we know is that people who use e-cigarettes to quit smoking, they stay on using e-cigarettes. So they don't quit nicotine. They just quit smoking conventional cigarettes. They are still addicted to nicotine. So this is what we are concerned, especially for never smokers, children who never smoke conventional cigarettes, but they started vaping so, and using e-cigarettes. So that's my real concern. Prof Haniki, thank you so much for speaking with us today. That was Professor Mohammad Haniki Nick Mohammed, a doctor of clinical pharmacy and leader of the smoke-free Sajatra campus community at the International Islamic University Malaysia. We've been oh, we are going to continue talking today actually about the subject of um, e-cigarettes and vaping. We want to hear from you as well. Keep those thoughts coming and keep it here BFM 89.9. Bole for Malaysia. Ha. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It's 6.38 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sharmila. Today we are talking about liquid nicotine, but more specifically, we're discussing the fact that the government has said they're removing liquid nicotine from the poisons list, despite the fact that experts don't agree with this move. And they're doing so, so that uh, they will be able to now actually tax um, e-cigarettes and vaping devices. Although the flip side of this is that uh, this move effectively legalizes e-cigarettes and vapes with nicotine without any regulations in place to kind of ease that transition. So this is where we find ourselves. And we're asking you, what do you think of this? Uh, what do you think of this move? Do you support it? Um, and do you think the government is doing enough to handle smoking cessation or, um, you know, quitting, helping people quit smoking? And I think that's especially relevant considering we're also in the time of the GEG, the Generational Endgame Bill. So let us know that number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. You can send a voice note or WhatsApp our U-Mobile numbers 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Um, let's start with this WhatsApp that came in from Meezy. So, Meezy says, the current stance towards vape is a definite X for me from, uh, from me to PMX. Has he seen what vape uses, um, you know, has he, has he seen um, the impact of vape? Whatever were the decision makers thinking of? Only the ringgit and sen? At the expense of national health? So, disappo- so disappointing after striving for so many other commendable efforts. So, the, the, con- the contrast between, well, it's going... I don't know how much of this is just communication from the government, to be honest, whether it could have been maybe a little clearer what, what exactly was going to happen or what kind of regulation would come into play. Because right now, the fact that um, it is a conversation that is like, well, yeah, we're removing it from the poisons list, thus effectively legalising something that has lived in a grey zone for a while. But the flip side of it is we're going to get tax money. I think maybe presenting it in that way is not the... It's not the cleanest version of how this could be. I would like to think that that is not the reasoning because, of course, then there are a million other things you could argue, some of which our guests brought up. Uh, the other part of it also is, well, how much is it going to cost in potential healthcare issues down the line? So you get tax money now, but what about health healthcare expenditure later? So 
It's also because the bill from the minister um, on the uh, tobacco control and uh, smoking issues is not very long away. So it does seem a little bit like putting the cart before the horse. Um, And wherever you stand on the issue of um, vape legalization, um, whether you think it has a place within um, cessation or not, the call for better regulation, the call for more research, isn't necessarily, um, isn't at all one that is, I don't know, what. there's no reason to oppose it or to think that, hey, you know what we don't need? More research on what we should be doing. Um, and, and the fact that people, um, for instance, the Poisons Board has opposed this, has voiced the objection that so many med- uh, healthcare practitioners are coming out to push back, I think signals that more work needs to be done before we move in this direction. We've also got a voice note that's come in. Here it is. Good evening, BFM. Uh, my name is Brian. And regarding the, the e-cigarette uh, issue that we are talking about, uh, for someone who's been a 10-year-long cigarette smoker, then turned to vaping, and now I'm clear for a month, not taking any nicotine, I think it's a good move by the government to legalise vaping because the nicotine level in vapes are much more controlled, it's much more cleaner than the cigarettes we smoke. And the transition from taking e-cigarettes and then all the way to stopping smoking all together is uh, is quite easy I, as much as I found because I, I ditched my vaping stick last month and uh, never never really went back of course there was the urge for the first week but after that there's not I'm still clean right now so that's uh, just, just all what I want to say thanks Thanks, Brian. Thank you for sharing and, um, you know, wishing you luck on your smoke-free journey mm-hmm. because it sounds like you're, you're doing really well. I think that, um, so to be fair, it's not as if the the e-cigarettes, so the e-cigarettes will continue or rather vapes will also continue to be available. If anything, the concern now is that they're going to be over-available. And I think that if what you're talking about is um, the use of vape in uh, quitting, for instance, actually this... Um, the fact that it was on the the fact that liquid nicotine was on the poisons list shouldn't affect that at all. Um, it is just a matter of how are we regulating it now that it is more freely usable in businesses. So keep those thoughts coming. Um, we are asking you. Basically, is the government doing enough to handle e-cigarettes and vapes? Are you in support of this move that they've made to remove liquid nicotine from the poisons list of controlled substances, thereby effectively legalising e-cigarettes and vapes? And in general, um, where does this place us, you think, um, alongside the conversation about the generational endgame bill of ending smoking for good? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp 018. 789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio, BFM 89.9. Bunkus for Makan, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 6.51 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sharmila. We're talking today about the government announcing the removal of liquid nicotine from the poisons list of controlled substances. Um, and of course, liquid nicotine is what is used in e-cigarettes and vapes. Now, there are a few after effects to this because now e-cigarettes and vapes with nicotine have been effectively legalised, um, but there aren't necessarily any regulations in place in the same way that we have with tobacco because tobacco has the Control of Tobacco Products Regulations 2004. And that covers conventional cigarettes and other tobacco products, but not nicotine. So Mm -hmm. this is kind of that weird grey zone that we find ourselves in. Um, There are worries about unfettered advertising. There are worries about how you can now essentially sell liquid nicotine to anybody because it's not controlled. And so we're asking you for your thoughts on this. Uh, If you want to weigh in, that number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Uh, Let's start with a voice note on this side of things. Here is uh, Razo. Uh, Hello, BFM. I think it's a very good move by the government to to delist uh, vape from the poison list because uh, let's be honest here um, 
regardless of whether it's in the poison list or not, people are will, will always be selling and buying e-cigarette vape. So um, from the government point of view, why not just make some money out of it and we can they can reinvest the money for the people because um, the supply and demand will I think will remain the same whether it's maybe slightly more on the supply uh, but uh, at least now government can get something out of it rather than nothing and also it's quite proven that uh, e-cigarette is much much more better than cigarette because it doesn't have the tar the other harmful chemicals they only have a controlled amount of, of nicotines there are many friends who quit smoking all together just by switching to e-cigarettes for a couple of months or years. Thank you. Raza, thank you so much for sharing your point of view. So uh, I will say that a lot of the messages coming in echo this um, this sentiment that, well, it's happening anyway, so why not? Um, and I think the issue here is not the lack of acknowledgement that it's happening, it's more the lack of controls that exist right at this very moment in time. Mm. Razo also sent in a WhatsApp following up saying the important thing is regulating it around uh, selling to those under 18. And I think that's an absolutely fair point. Um, which doesn't exist at the moment. Which doesn't exist at the moment. And and I think I just wanted to say, though, that part of the concern uh, to add um, when it comes to vapes and e-cigarettes being unregulated, um, while your point about it not having tar and chemicals, I think it's more accurate to say it doesn't have the same chemicals that exist in cigarettes. However, the nature of it being unregulated means we also don't know what other chemicals could possibly be in there, which is part of the concern around regulation. I'm always reminded of how um, the conversation around cigarettes has changed so dramatically from the 50s or from, I want to say, you know, the 1930s or the 1950s mm. or even before that to right now and how rapidly that tone has shifted and the reason for that is because we now have more information that we did not have again I will remind everybody that there used to be advertising saying that smoking was good for pregnant women <laughs> so so when we say that it's proven or when we say it is known I think we just maybe need to to consider um, the pace at which we are receiving this information and how much more there is to find out we also have um, CG actually saying, what more research do we need when all our almost all our neighbouring countries have already outright banned vapes and e-cigarettes? Yeah, so this is something that our guests brought up earlier as well, right? And something that we have been seeing a lot. I think that um, this is not where our conversation currently is. And you're right, I'm not sure why. Um, I, you know, because it's become so ubiquitous here, I actually didn't quite brain, may I say, uh, that vapes are banned in Singapore until I was there recently and um, someone pointed it out. And I thought to myself, oh, that's so interesting because um, the your point about cigarettes is interesting. The journey that most countries and societies have had with vapes and e-cigarettes, though, has been so fast um, that I think yeah. we haven't realised how quickly this change has happened. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Mm. And, and yet um, we speak about it with a certain degree of certainty. And, and, you know, that's because there's a lot of information that's being pushed out by by folks who are also partly interested in ensuring that their industry continues to thrive. So it's not a simple conversation to have, I think. Um, again, we're talking today about the Malaysian government announcing the removal of liquid nicotine from the poisons list of controlled substances, which de facto legalises e-cigarettes and vapes with nicotine, but there aren't any regulations in place at the moment, there is supposed to be a bill that's going to be tabled in May, and hopefully we will see um, we will see this conversation evolve by then. But this is where we are. So let us know what you think. Um, join in the conversation and call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio, BFM eighty nine point nine. Blues, folk, metal. BFM eighty nine point nine. It is 7.07 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sharmila. And, um, okay, 
I'm just going to briefly recap what we've been talking about. So on the 31st of March, the Malaysian government announced the removal of liquid nicotine from the poisons list of controlled substances. Now, liquid nicotine is what is used in e-cigarettes and vapes. And the fact that it's been removed from the controlled substances list um, effectively legalizes these devices without any control regulations in place. And the thinking here was that on the government side of things, it will enable taxation on these uh, on these devices, on these e-liquids, and that is going to start from April 1st uh, this month, this year. So there are a lot of issues here. I think the worries of uh, unfettered advertising, of people having... I'm just going to keep using the word unfettered because that's what it is. Uh, uncontrolled access, um, there not being an age limitation, all things that are currently... F- all things that currently exist for tobacco under the Control of Tobacco Products Regulations 2004. So, A lot of acts, a lot of technicalities, but the point is at this moment in time, um, because of a recent move, liquid nicotine is now unregulated and the devices that use it are currently unregulated. A clear problem. Yes, and so that's really where the pushback from a lot of um, healthcare um, activists and a lot of commenters are coming from. The fact that um, currently we live in this space where the removal. So basically, it's the business versus health um, argument that's being made. Is it? Um, does it make sense to think about taxation and um, looking at the profits that this industry could generate versus the larger need for study um, on what the healthcare impact of this is going to be? So that's where we're at now. Before we get to our next guest um, and our the final bit of our show, the focus of which is going to be on regulation, the, the part that's missing in this puzzle, um, we are we have been asking you what you've been thinking. If you want to send your thoughts through double seven double three two nine hundred is the number to call. Zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine is the number to WhatsApp or send a voice note to, and you can tweet us at BFM Radio. So. Uh, just closing off on the messages, let's look at this from HJ who says, so before this announcement, were we able to stop the usage of vape? No. So the argument saying the delisting will bring more harm to the healthcare system is, aren't totally valid. I believe that this will help the government uh, to prepare better a better regulatory regime in controlling the usage of vape and its substances. And if the tax collection could be channeled to MOH, of course, it will ease the transition. So HJ, I think that um, here the issue is that the... The issue is that it probably shouldn't have happened first, I think. Yes, I think Actually, that's no, the... I, sorry, can I just um, set, re, reword myself? It shouldn't have happened first. <laughs> I'm going to take out the probably because it doesn't make sense. No, that's the argument that's being made that um, it's all well and good to talk about um, how to tax this, how to um, look at this as a business, as an industry. Um, but... Shouldn't we be talking about regulation first before legalizing the industry? Yes, because again, um, right now, so I, I'm working on the basis that regulations are coming soon because I find it um, hard to believe that, or maybe I'm just in denial that, that we would do something like this, kind of create this unregulated space. So I'm assuming that we're in a grey window at the moment in which regulations are coming soon but aren't have not arrived yet. Um, with that said, though, I don't understand why one needed to happen first um, in order to, to help the government prepare itself. So Nick is saying... Isn't the vape industry mostly local? So in a way, we are empowering local businesses. Now, Nick, yes, except there are many businesses that might not be good for us or might need regulating. And so again, all businesses are governed by particular sets of regulations. And I think that's really where the argument is coming from. Um, Jing Yi says, to me, the problem is not so much about legalizing it. It's what rules we set when we do. For example, let's be honest, fireworks were illegal, but every festive season we hear it loud and clear and louder and clearer. Clearly making it illegal didn't work because there were always loopholes to be exploited. So the next part is the regulations. If the ultimate goal of legalizing e-cigs and so on is for the sole purpose of making the extra dollar for national spend, then it's a misstep, an error. But if it is to regularize and have more control over how and who can access the product, 
then the rule parameters are important. However, judging that regulations are not yet implemented and nicotine is now declassified, or, or rather, uh, now nicotine has been removed from that controlled substance list. Liquid nicotine. Yes, that's right. Um, that's a misstep too. Additionally, this must come together with the GEG. Otherwise, what healthcare system is left and, you know, what next? Jingyi, actually, thank you for that message because I think it neatly brings together the various strands of the conversation that have been happening throughout the show. Um, exactly that. Because people have been saying, what what's the point of talking about this when it's already rampant? Um, your point exactly, that um, these are ways in which to regulate a, um, an industry. These are also ways in which an industry can have control put over it. But that needs to come first, before the deregulation. So for everyone listening and thinking, how now, brown cow? Because, you know, we've already done this and now where are the regulations? What's going to happen? That's going to be our next point. Uh, that's going to be our next line of discussion. And joining us to do that will be Dr. Kelvin Yee, the MP for Banda Kuching. So do keep it here. You're listening to Inside Story, BFM 89.9. Brand Friendly Marketeers, BFM 89.9. It is 7.14 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sharmila. We are talking today about the um, de facto legalisation of e-cigarettes and vapes with nicotine following the government announcing the removal of liquid nicotine from the poisons list of controlled substances. So while it's been effectively legalised at the moment, um, there aren't regulations in place the way we have with tobacco. So uh, we've been asking you for your thoughts on that. Uh, you can keep them coming. And joining us now to discuss how or what kind of regulations we'd like to see in place is Dr. Kelvin Yee, MP for Banda Kuching. Um, Kelvin, thanks for speaking with us today. Thanks for having me. So uh, you have said that it's a regressive move to remove <clears throat> liquid nicotine as a controlled substance. Uh, tell us more about where you're coming from. Um, as we progress in a country, I think one of the fundamentals issue that we really need to look after is the public health of the people. If you ask any doctor, name one habit that you will advise the people to kick. And trust me, almost 99% of doctors will say that smoking is one of the most uh, fundamentally hazardous uh, uh, habits that, that affects from the head to toe of a human's body. So for a country to progress, uh, it is important to have a specific regulation, a specific legislation to capture this growing industry and this changing industry. We're not just talking about the old school tobacco and cigarettes, but we're talking about vaping and things that are being modernizing and moving. So in order to, to capture that, we need good specifics and modern legislations. But without a legislation, uh, by just declassifying it for poison acts without an act that can capture and properly regulate uh, such items, that itself is a regressive move, uh, move rather than us progressing forward with this important matter. Now, this issue was brought up with the PM during the last sitting of Parliament. How well would you say he responded? Uh, to be fair to him, I think what was important was he gave a deadline or a timeline to address the gap. We know right now there is a lacun in the law because uh, by disclassifying on the Poison Act, we help without an uh, act to capture it, as I said. Uh, it is technically kind of totally legal in the market without regulation, without restrictions. People can sell them, people can advertise, people can uh, marketplace them anywhere that they want, even affecting our young children. Uh, I think the Prime Minister, in his answers, has given some uh, understanding of the gravity of the matter and has given some commitments when it comes to uh, um, um, the timeline when we want to table this tobacco act, which was in the next in the next parliamentary sitting. However, I would actually appreciate uh, a bit more certainty because he did bring up certain concerns raised by MPs or certain concerns raised out by uh, cabinet ministers. We actually do not know exactly what are his concerns because I think it's important to address that so we can also move forward and get a, a, a stronger buy-in, bipartisan buy-in from both sides of the political divide on this important legislation. So the Malaysian Health Coalition has said that our country needs clear laws on vaping before we put taxation in place. Uh, can you talk to us about what you think those laws might look like? Actually, one of the important laws that was discussed since last year and was uh, attempted to be tabled by the Ministry of Health was the Tobacco Control Act which actually many people refer it as the GEG Act. 
And actually, GEG is just part of the act. Well, half of the other legislations talks about regulations of tobacco and also, of course, regulations of vape products. Um, this regulations is important because I think we need to treat it with extra caution. We need to control its, not just its distribution, but its uh, uh, form from the manufacturing, distribution, advertisements. Because right now in Malaysia on the ground, we see even the big boys are advertising on, in sports teams, sponsoring uh, concerts and youth events. And this is, of course, uh, dangerous and hazardous uh, to, the, to, to the society as a whole. So this, this, this legislation is important to define uh, certain parameters. Number one, of course, uh, on, on, on restrictions on advertisements, whether they can uh, do not uh, have, have more plain advertisement rather than all kinds of uh, using superheroes, using cartoons to attract young people, uh, using even there are, uh, there are pots that are shaped in the, in the shape of an uh, animal or something cute just to attract uh, young people. And this has to be regulated, this has to be controlled. Uh, fact of the matter is regulations even on the flavor of, of the vaping liquid itself. Now we, we know there are all kinds of flavor in the markets, and everything. this has to be regulated and also to be limited in order to, to not uh, attract younger people, which, which are the people they were trying to protect. And of course, the more important thing is to regulate the nicotine level within the vape itself because if you know vape for example there are three types of vape there's the disposable open and there's the closed uh, system and the open system is where my concern is is where we actually cannot control uh, what they actually mix inside the part and that's uh, dangerous as we see cases of Ivali when THC and other harmful materials are being put inside so this is where regulations has to be very specific regulations has to be targeted and regulations has to be strict because we know how harmful uh, such practices are. Um, some may argue that vaping is, is less harmful or, or harm reduction, but it is still not uh, harmless. And that is why it's important to control them. What are some of the important considerations to be taken into account here? And who do you think should be involved in that conversation? As I said, the main important considerations is how do we control the, 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 the kandungan or what is inside uh, the vape pots itself. Uh, so, so there are proper regulations and classifications that we can learn from countries such as the UK, Australia, even in New Zealand, where they limit, for example, the percentage of nicotine within the pot itself. Uh, right now in Malaysia, uh, disposable pots are sold up to 5% nicotine level, and that's dangerous because at 6%, we know it's toxic. So, so we need those parameters. Uh, we need different those parameters and regulations to be in place. And for those to be in place, we need all stakeholders on the table. And I'm just not talking about medical professionals. I'm talking about even the industry players and the industry people that are involved. Because this is a collective responsibility. Uh, while, especially currently, there is no, there is no regulation, no legislation, I think the industry itself must step up. I think the Ministry of Health needs to engage the industry. Uh, to sit down to have an understanding or some form of self-regulations. Set some boundaries, set some limitations. For example, let's not sell within a certain pyramid, certain distance from schools or children. Certain, certain advertisements should not be allowed. So I think the different stakeholders has to come in uh, and, and, and make those regulations based on science, based on facts, and of course based on commitment from the industry players themselves. So the Health Minister, Dr Zaleha Mustafa, assured that the vape liquids and related products would be regulated under the Tobacco Control Bill, which we are looking forward to. Do you have a sense of what this might look like and whether it can adequately address the concerns that are being raised? Well, I was part of the select committee that basically did the amendments and so did the, the negotiations with the Health Minister at that period of time. And the final bill, final draft of the bill, uh, which we renamed it to the Medical Control for Public Health Matters, uh, um, relatively covers most of the parameters that is needed when, uh, when it comes to the regulations that I mentioned earlier before. Um, many people just talk about the GG, uh, but an important part of that bill itself uh, talks about the parameters that I have mentioned. So I do hope that the current health minister, and I know uh, she and the Ministry of Health is uh, fighting hard in order for this bill to be tabled in, in the May 
uh, uh, sitting itself. While the Prime Minister himself has mentioned certain reservations uh, were expressed by MPs and even cabinet ministers, I believe some of those reservations can be properly explained because, for example, issues of uh, excessive enforcement uh, were properly dealt with within our select committee itself. And I think uh, an engagement has been done with both the MPs, whether uh, for the government or the opposition side in the last sitting. And I think uh, further uh, uh, engagements can be done even leading up to the upcoming uh, session. And I think that that bill itself is uh, is is adequate uh, for the time being to address a lot of the concerns, to fill in the gap, and to address the lacuna in the law that we are facing right now. So one specific aspect of um, this grey area that we are in is that it will allow vapes to be legally and openly sold uh, to children of any age. Uh, this is a concern that people have been um, expressing. What do you make of this, and will there be specific laws needed to ensure that this doesn't happen? Um, so this is the dilemma or the lacuna that we're in right now. Uh, while in order to tax such uh, products, which is something that I'm supportive, especially with the announcement that the Prime Minister and the current government will return 50% of those tax to the Ministry of Health. But uh, such considerations must also balance the need for public health interest. So, so currently, this lacuna means that it is completely illegal. There is no law uh, to, to stop them from selling, for example, in schools, the children, there's no laws to stop them from designing a pot to look like a cute animal or, or to make it even look like Superman or Iron Man. So this is where that tobacco control act is so, so important that we need to push through and that, that law itself could address a lot of these matters. But in the time being, as I mentioned, I think uh, what has to be done is for the industry players to sit down together with the Ministry of Health and different authorities to come up with an understanding that in lieu of this law, uh, let us self-regulate. Uh, let us self-regulate. Let us set boundaries, let us set things that we can and we cannot do. And of course, in an ideal world, uh, this is sufficient. But we don't live in an ideal world. That is why I hope the government uh, sees the severity, sees the gravity of this and pass the Tobacco Control Act as soon as possible and let's address this lacuna together. In closing, as an MP, are there steps you can take to ensure the policy-making process takes into account uh, all the health and safety concerns that need to be considered? I think the COVID-19 pandemic has shown the importance of looking at health in all policies. Uh, it was a stress test that all policies need to take into consideration. And if we invest into health, especially in public health, even in monetary or economic terms, there is a return of investment, especially uh, over 10 to 15 years, where so much is being saved uh, from treating patients with chronic diseases caused by uh, bad habits such as smoking. So as an MP, we need to take that consideration. While, as I said, it is important to, to tax, to regulate, to get extra revenue so that we help build schools, help build roads, and so on and so forth. But it cannot come at the expense of public health. We must be progressive. We must be holistic in our approach. And I think as MPs, we need to play that role so that even the government of the day, regardless of what we decide that we are, uh, put public health as one of the major considerations in every policy that we do. And as an MP, we will continue to push for, for that in, in Parliament. Kelvin, thanks for speaking with us today. Thank you so much for having me. That was Dr. Kelvin Yi, MP for Banda Kuching, weighing in on regulations um, and what is needed, particularly when it comes to, or, or exclusively really, when it comes to products that use liquid nicotine. We're talking about e-cigarettes, we're talking about vapes. So um, keep those thoughts coming. That is our inside story this evening. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.